Great pleasure to have you uh, with us this morning. And my name is Dan. I'm part of the leadership team here at the church. And um, as we approach, uh, oh, right? we've been looking at John 1 that Phil started last week. Okay, do I need the mic? Should I keep talking? Just keep going? Okay, we're going to look at John 1. This is really off putting. <laughs> and um, we're looking about stepping from darkness into light. Um, I don't know, has anyone been to the cinema recently? Does anyone go to the cinema these days? Some people do, yeah. I don't go to the cinema now because I've got three young children and so when the lights go down, I fall asleep. So I don't go. But, but if you've been to the cinema during the day, I wonder if you had that, that strange moment when you, you leave after the film and you step into the light and you forgot it was light. You know, and you've, you've, been, you've been in darkness all the time. When you're in the cinema, you're in the dark, and you're not thinking about daylight. You are consumed by the things around you, whether that's the popcorn, if you've got a big bank balance, whether that's the adverts, whether it's the film itself, you're absorbed in this moment, and then you come out and you go, whoa, I forgot it was daytime. Anyone had that experience before? And I think that's often what it's like living in this world. You know, we live consumed by the things around us. You turn on the news and you'll see that the world is a dark place. We live consumed by the things around us, but actually we live in darkness. Individualism is on the rampage. Wars rage. Children are being knifed to death every day in our country. Leaders serving their own needs. Children being abused. I could continue. We live with the reality of darkness every day. And this shouldn't surprise us because the Bible describes the world as a dark place. A place where the enemy is still active. Where darkness still reigns. And the world is a dark place because of spiritual death or what the Bible says is it calls it a sin. And it's dark because of a physical death. Every one of us will die. Uh, But too often we can become so familiar with the darkness, so consumed by the things around us that we forget that we are living in darkness. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our world is in darkness because there is a battle happening for our souls. There is an enemy who desires to steal and destroy to keep us separated from our heavenly father. You know, God created us to be in relationship with him. We find Adam and Eve in the garden. They are walking and they're talking with God. They're in perfect relationship with him. And the enemy then comes along and he wants to steal and destroy They're they're tempted by the devil. They choose to disobey God, to eat the fruit that God instructed them to leave alone. You know, God knows how human flourishing works best, and he instructs them to live in a way which will lead them to thriving. But that's not enough. They want more. They choose to go their own way, and since then, every one of us has chosen to do the same. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We are all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to their own ways, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're separated from God, 
We're living in darkness. It's a situation that Adam and Eve find themselves. It's a situation that God's people find themselves in the Bible. And it's a situation that we find ourselves today. Uh, last week, Phil shared from the start of the book of John. Just to remind us, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God's people were living in darkness. And yet they were waiting for someone to come and to bring light into that darkness. John arrives on the scene and he, he declares that the light is coming. The, the waiting is over. The situation to their sin and their rebellion has arrived. Verse 6 tells us this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light that so through him all might believe. So he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John arrives to prepare people for the arrival of Jesus. Later in, in John 1, we see John going around doing his thing and sharing about the arrival of a saviour the arrival who would bring light into darkness. And he tells us in verse 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knows that the world is in darkness. That sins of the people that separated them from God and yet here is the answer. The Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the earth. You know, death is rampant. We need more than just an encounter with God. We need more than just knowledge of God. We need more than just adding a bit of spirituality to your life. We need life to enter our dead world. John is saying that God is coming into the world. He is bringing light into darkness, taking the darkness upon himself and ending up on the cross. Three days later, rising from the dead, turning darkness into light, and death becomes everlasting life. That's the good news that we find at Christmas. That is why we sing, oh come, let us adore him. And yet we are here, 2,000 and so years later, still living surrounded by darkness, did the light not overcome the darkness? Let's carry on reading John 1 from verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The solution to the darkness that we lived in had arrived and yet was rejected. Ultimately, to the point of being crucified on the cross by those he was coming to save. Why was that? John 3, 19, 20 says, the light has come into the world, but the people loved the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. We love darkness. 
We are offered life, and yet that we do what every human has done since the Garden of Eden, and we reject God. We think we know better. We think that we have the answer to living a good life, and therefore we reject the life and the light that God offers. We are offered life, and yet we chase everything else. Money, experiences, love, fame, recognition, power. When we see Jesus at the start of his ministry being tempted by the, tempted by the, the devil, he offers him three things. He offers him satisfaction, he offers him power, and he offers him fame. And he does the same to each of us. The devil wants to keep us in darkness. I just want us to read from Matthew 4, 1 to 11. We see this at the start of Jesus' life. Jesus, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil set him on the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command the angels concerning you, and they will lift, up in, they will lift you up in their hands, and so you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this will be, I will give you, he said. If you only bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. Here we see Jesus being offered satisfaction. Jesus has fasted for 40 days, and, Jesus, and the devil offers him bread. Now I imagine at this point in his fast, the idea of bread was quite tempting. The devil is offering momentary satisfaction. He is offering bread for the hungry. But what the devil is really trying to do is make Jesus question God's goodness. You know, how often we can believe the lie that God isn't really good or that he is withholding things from us. You know, when we see others experiencing the things that we want, the job, the marriage, the family, or we lack, we lack provision and we see others experiencing abundance, if you really love me, God, you would give me what I want. And yet God knows what we want. And it's so often different to what God has in store for us because he knows what we actually need. This is about trust. Would Jesus take hold of his own satisfaction and eat the bread that was on offer? Or would he trust that God would provide for him at exactly the right time? Do we believe that God is good, not just as a concept, but as a reality in our lives? That God is good to me and he wants the best for me. The second thing the devil offers him is power. He takes Jesus to Jerusalem and he sits him on the temple and he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off and then the angels will come and save you. What a statement. Show everyone how powerful you are. You know, our world loves power. Now, power might make you think of world leaders, and there's definitely desires for power there. But in each of us, this, there can be this corrupted desire to be important. We want to be the center of our world. Most of the time, we want to be the center of everyone else's as well. 
If you want to test that, just next time you see a photo that you're part of, who do you look for first? You look for yourself. Do you ever find yourself saying, that's not fair, or I didn't deserve that? We want people to recognize and to value us. Jesus deserves all the adoration that the devil is offering, but it's not from the right source. You are truly valuable. You matter. You have dignity and you are worth something, but that worth is not what the world ascribes to you. It's what God thinks of you. Jesus knew that he didn't need the praise of the world because he knew what his father thought of him. And that meant that he could say, son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He would even give up his own life to serve the world. He offers him satisfaction, he offers him power, and then he offers him fame. The devil shows Jesus all these kingdoms, and he offers them to him. They were never the devils to give away anyway because everything was created by God and yet the devil tries to give Jesus a shortcut to the recognition he deserves. The devil knew that there was a day coming when every, everyone in the world would gather around the throne and worship Jesus. That day was coming but the devil tries to stop it by giving Jesus a chance to experience it now. How often temptation comes in the form of being offering, offered things that we really want but not in the way or the timing that God has planned. The devil tries to use these temptations to draw Jesus into darkness, to stop the light before it has chance to shine. Make no mistake today, the devil wants to keep you in darkness. The light had arrived, and yet the people loved the darkness and the things of this world more than they loved and wanted the light. But if we go back to this passage in 1 John, I love it in the Bible where it uses things like yet, the word yet. Because things look bad and then this changes everything. People are living in darkness. They are loving the darkness, rejecting Jesus, yet, verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a husband's decision, or a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. As much as our world is dark, as dark as our lives have been, there is an invitation to step into light. This is a common picture of, in Scripture of following Jesus, stepping from darkness into light. John 8, 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. 1 John 1, 5-7, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we follow Jesus, we turn from the darkness of our old life. The Bible uses the word repent and we step into light. We get to experience relationship with God again, being cleansed of our sin and experiencing the reality of light, the light that gives everlasting life. Yes, we physically will still die, but when we do, we'll experience everlasting life 
with our Saviour, Jesus. And what do we have to do? John tells us that we are to receive Jesus and believe in him. And when we do that, John tells us that we will become children of God. God is not everyone's father. He created everyone and they're his. But Jesus says in John 8, 42, if God were your father, you would love me. God is not everyone's father. And the test of who your father is, is do you love the son? Do you love Jesus? Because if you love Jesus, then you are God's son or daughter. You get to experience all the benefits of being in relationship with him. Paul says in Romans 8, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. If you have received Jesus, believed in him, you become a child of God and become an heir to all that God owns. This is remarkable. All that belongs to God is our inheritance. You know, one day Jesus will return. God will create a new heaven and a new earth where he will reign with his people forever. A place where there is no darkness and only light. And at that time, we will see a fullness of that inheritance. We don't understand what that means to receive the inheritance that is deserving of the son that we get to benefit with. But one day we will experience it. God will care for us forever we will be infinitely happy in his presence. A place where there's no darkness, only light. This Christmas, we remember that God has crossed the divide, giving up his divinity, arriving on earth as a baby, living as a human, and then 33 years later, dying on a cross. But in crossing that divide, he brings light into darkness. You know, when we look at the state of the world, the darkness is very obvious. Are we so familiar with the darkness that we have forgotten that Jesus brings light? So consumed by the things around us that we have forgotten that Jesus brings life. In a moment, we're going to take communion. We're going to remember that Christ became one of us, giving up his his life for us and and going onto a cross and dying for us. You know, as he died on that cross, it looked like the light had been snuffed out, that the battle is over, that Jesus lost, that darkness overcame light. And yet three days later, some women go to his tomb, and they find that the tomb is empty. Jesus then appears to them and loads more of his disciples over the coming days to show that he is truly alive that he has conquered death, that light has overcome the darkness. And so as we take communion in a moment, we remember that no matter how dark the world gets, the light has broken in. Jesus is alive today. And he brings transformation into our lives. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. No matter how dark it gets, there is a light that shines that will never be overcome. And one day there will be no more darkness. We will live with Jesus forever. Right at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it describes that the new earth will need no sun 
because of the beauty and the brightness of Jesus, the true light that brings life. Would you stand with me? Father, we just thank, we, we want to thank you that you have crossed the divide. You stepped into our darkness. We who were once far away have been invited to draw near because you gave up everything to come to this world. To take our sin, our rebellion on, our, on yourself, to shine light into darkness. And Lord, I pray even this morning that we would be people who would take your light into dark places, that we would never become so consumed by the darkness that we forget we're living in darkness, that we would never be so fearful or so dismayed about the darkness that we live with that we forget that Christ lives in us and is shining light into our dark world. And one day, one day, we will see that place. We will see a fullness of that light. We will live with you forever because of your death and your resurrection. We will live with you in a place where there will be no sun because of the beauty and the brightness of Christ. There will be no darkness. There will be no pain. There will be no more death. We will not live with the struggles of this world because your everlasting light has overcome. Would you lift our eyes afresh to you today, Lord? Would you, make, would you remind us again, stare us afresh? Would we carry hope into everywhere we walk this week because the light has broken in and has overcome the darkness? Amen.